Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. This is the LEDC19 podcast. I'm here with Dr. Tony Young. He's the National Clinical Director of Innovation at NHS England. Tony, um, great to have you here at the conference. Tell us why you're here. Uh, because I was invited. Sorry, I thought I'd try and inject some humour into the podcast to start. Uh, I wouldn't come along if I hadn't been invited. I'm passionate about mental health. Um, I always have been. Um, I, uh, it's such an important area that has been neglected for far too long. Um, I've always loved, uh, uh, when I was training at medical school, I'd always loved the brain and neuroanatomy and how it was put together, so much so that actually I did a PhD in neuroscience um, and have continued my passion for the brain and its functioning, not just the neuroanatomy and neurophysiology, but then the psychology and the psychiatry that goes beyond that. And had I not have become a urological surgeon, I describe myself as a plumber from Essex normally because I'm a consultant urologist in South End. And bizarrely, I think I might have become a psychiatrist. Um, it, mental health is so, so important. And I know we're starting to hear now about how we mustn't treat the body and the mind separately. And for far too long, um, we have done that. And I have a great privilege and an honor at NHS England of being a clinician who's in a leadership role for a whole nation's healthcare innovation. So I see it as my privilege and my opportunity to try and do something about that and um, contribute in any way constructively I can. So when I got an invite to come and speak, it's my first sort of um, uh, uh, psychology, psychiatry um, uh, conference. And um, uh, so when that opportunity came up, I just couldn't turn it down. And you're talking today about digital technology and mental health. And I guess one of the issues that we've got currently is that access to mental health services is very hard. Um, prevalence of mental health conditions is very high. So there's a lot of excitement about digital interventions, online CBT, artificial intelligence, chatbots, virtual reality, all kinds of stuff. Sure. Um, but very little evidence for any of these interventions. So how do you see... NHS England's role in kind of deciding how we spend our money and how we kind of roll out some of these technologies into the NHS? Mm, so that's a really important question and that doesn't just apply to mental health, it applies to the whole of this sort of technology revolution that we're going through in the moment, whether you're looking at um, uh, the genome and personalised medicine and how we roll that out and all the other omics, the metabolome, the exposome, the proteome. Um, whether you're looking at um, machine learning, artificial intelligence system, data analytics, predictalytics, making predictions from those large data sets and the informations we've got, advanced technologies, whether that's point of care diagnostics or things that you might clip into your smartphone or apps or platforms or other kinds of connected devices, um, robotic type systems, those sort of things, social networks, how do we bring all that to it? So all these things that are affecting parts of our everyday lives and we're using this technology in different bits of all of it now starting to come into healthcare and into mental health care um, and we have to be very careful and very rigorous how we do that and um, we can't be in a position um, where I think we make don't learn from the mistakes of the past so when you look at the pharma industry when that first started out uh, 
uh, largely the, the big growth of it was in the last century. Um, and you look back to the uh, uh, sort of 40s, 50s and 60s of how drug discovery was going. And there are a number of real mistakes that were made in that space, weren't there? And we've developed the randomized control trial, which actually I think is one of the greatest advances in science that we have produced the ability to test hypotheses and look at them. It's not perfect. Um, but actually now when you look at randomized control trials and creating evidence, I think the figure often quoted is about two billion to take a drug from idea through to getting it on the market. Can you do that for a health app or a, um, a, a new digital product or service? It would never come forward if you did that. So governments around the world, uh, I've got in the privilege of my role at NHS England as I get to speak to many um, foreign governments and people who work in their healthcare systems are all kind of grappling with similar issues in this space of how do we allow access and permit access and encourage that to this technology that's in a safe way, but the technology has to be tested and trialed and proven not just to be safe and to be cost effective, but to be clinically appropriate for that individual. Now we see, I think, lots of hype in this space, and you were mentioning um, AI and chatbots and how this could help the um, the resource need of you know an enormous amount of uh, mental health uh, issues out there, and is there enough physical human resource to deal with that? Well, at a planetary level. Um, Definitely not, and that's true not just in mental health. In surgery, there was a Lancet report on surgery, and I think, I think we're, uh, I think, I think it's four or five billion people on the planet don't have access to even basic surgical services. So, and the same is true of mental health. So there is a role to play, but thinking it's going to replace human beings anytime soon, I think uh, is uh, is hype and I don't think that's going to happen. And what I like to do is look at... Um, so we need to bring things in in a robust and an evidence-based way, um, but what you're going to hear me um, uh, talk about this afternoon is um, there's a great opportunity, and I think we are at a tipping-point moment. You know, We've taken lots of little steps, like those tiny little steps that happen in evolution, and then sometimes things come together and you make a, a giant leap. And I think the next five to ten years, technology has been coming together in a way, and healthcare and other things, so we might be facing that. But um, if we bring things in um, and people get more socially isolated and we, uh, we increase social exclusion rather than increasing social inclusion with technology, I don't think that's going to work. And I like to um, uh, use the phrase we need to use modern technology to deliver ancient wisdom. So there's something about that human contact. I'm sitting here talking to you now. We're emotionally engaged. You know, we're listening and responding to each other. And there's something very real about that. And it's been going on through the whole of human evolution, that direct contact. And so I don't think technology is going to replace that ever, actually. Because I like human contact. I've always liked it. I'm sure you do. We all, and I'm, I'm, you know, a smartphone has a role and other things have a role. But I'm still not going to replace physical human beings anytime soon. Um, so we need to learn from that. And we need to say, so technology will have a role. And I like um, the, the way I finish um, uh, or finish my talk this afternoon will be a, a quote, not from a scientist, but from a poet. And that's Maya Angelou. And she says in one of her poems, she says, I have learned that people, well, something like this, I, uh, people forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget the way you made them feel. And to me, it took a poet 
to use her limbic system, her midbrain emotional structures to filter through everything she was seeing and express that, that bit of ancient wisdom, that fundamental thing of it, that relationship the therapist's relationship with the with the patient or the doctor-patient relationship, whatever you want to call that, that human interaction is the most important thing. Does technology have a role? Can it help us? Could it have some uh, in little bits of the pathway? I certainly think it could. Is it going to replace psychiatrists or, or therapists or psychologists anytime soon? Absolutely not. We're always going to need that human element and human touch. It strikes me that there's a disconnect between what you're talking about there in terms of the scientific development of these technologies, robust, reliable, evidence-based progress that we're making through whatever research methods we decide, and what's actually happening in the real world. So, you know, the NHS recommends a few mental health apps, um, and those are the ones that have got good, good enough evidence that, you know, NICE would suggest these are, these are reliable. But people are just out there in the real world accessing digital stuff and using it. So how can we work in that space where there's such a disconnect? So have you seen my talk? Because you're taking the direct subjects I'm picking from it. It's incredible, isn't it? There are these real, there are these core themes and real issues. I don't think NICE have approved apps. You said that earlier. I don't think they have. No, I no, may nice be wrong. processes in terms of reliable evidence. Yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah. I was just being sure. If there was a NICE approved app, I'd want to know about it. NHS England have uh, uh, supported some. So you're right. It's a real area. And I recall um, having this debate with Tim Kendall, National Clinical Director for uh, uh, mental health at NHS England. I'm a big fan of, of Tim's and uh, um, what a great opportunity. And that's one of the things, you know, here I'm a surgeon who's interested in innovation and technology and I get to meet some of our real thought leaders in these spaces. And um, I recall having a debate with Tim when I, uh, shortly after I first started at NHS England, uh, which was a robust debate, let's put it like that, around this very area of now there are over... Uh, if you look at the Android and um, Apple stores, over 360,000, I'm told, apps reported to be related to healthcare. Um, and so they're out there, and some of them are being used. Um, there's very little evidence for any of them in anything, but it's out there for the public. So do we have a prohibition where we say it's not safe, it's not proven, they're not tested, the public can't use them. So a bit like prohibition in the United States in the, what was it, 20s and 30s, saying, oh, alcohol, it's a terrible thing, it will do you harm, we're not having any of it. Well, that didn't work, did it? So I'm not sure that once the technology is out there and those things are in the public domain that we can expect people not to use them. And if we stand there and just say, this is not safe, this is not proven, we can say that, and I think it's important that we do, but actually I think there's a role for the NHS to step forward and say we're going to try and help you as your navigator, as your companion on this pathway. So governments around the world a few years ago um, uh, threw their hands up and said uh, app assessment is too difficult, we can't keep up with the latest variations on them and um, uh, we're not going to do it. Um, it, it's just it's too much and you can understand that 360,000 apps how can you assess them all and take them through in a process trying to do that with human beings would be near impossible um, and the NHS took a bold step forward at that point and said we're the world's largest unified healthcare system if someone can do it we can do it so we started off and we didn't get everything right first time and we started off bringing together NICE and Public Health England and NHS England and other um, stakeholders and tried to do something called the NHS um, endorsement process um, that's now changed ultimately into what has become a relaunched NHS um, app library 
and we tried to do it internally ourselves first but actually the skill sets that we really needed came from outside so we've now the government have appointed two um, providers of app assessment services our mobile health and orca which is the organization for health and care apps and in my talk today i've got a nice little video for what they do so what orca do is they have looked at um, the apps that are out there have taken the top 100 healthcare conditions and have looked at the most downloaded apps say the 30 most downloaded apps for each of those conditions they then uh, contacted the suppliers of those apps and drilled down into the code of them, how they are constructed, what security measures are built into them, how they share patient data and the confidentiality, they comply with various standards that are put in around that, what level of clinical evidence have they used, who was it constructed by, a whole range of things. And then they come out with a score between 0 and 100. Um, now this is not a stamp of approval from NICE or anything like that. It is a guide and an indicator that we have stripped this back we have put it through the most rigorous process we can at this moment in time and you get a score if it's naught there's no security they share all your data there's no clinical evidence and you'd be you know you struggle to justify using this and if it's a hundred and I'm not sure any of them have scored hundred they may have done I'd have to check um, you go well this is really well constructed it, it has nice evidence supporting it it's used all those clinical validations it's been through randomized controlled trials um, and, um, uh, and that kind of thing. So what um, NHS England have done, have commissioned these two organisations to look at those two act as a guide and a pathway, and we're the first country in the world to do that. So this is a new process. A new, so have we got it all right? No. Is it all going to be sorted tomorrow? No. Are we keen and passionate and driven and committed to helping our population um, on this pathway of empowering them um, giving them support to make choices that are right for them because ultimately it's the uh, individual's decision on what they want to do with the healthcare and we can help guide them and advise them what, what is safe and appropriate and has been tested and trialled and as we start to develop those new mechanisms for um, uh, testing all things across not just digital health but new technologies that are coming in too and then start to provide advice and guidance and, and how we get those taken up and offered across the whole system. So the government have uh, uh, put together something called the Accelerated Access Collaborative at the moment, which is looking at what are those latest, greatest things out there, how can we test and trial them and get them scaled across the healthcare so they're available to everyone. And I think when I've worked with many governments across the world, the United States, many European governments, Asian governments and others, um, and um, I think we're one of the most advanced ones I've seen, and we're taking some very bold steps. We know we won't get it all right to start with but in my view that's fine you're learning from the so I run the entrepreneur program on the NHS and we'll be talking about that this afternoon as well a bit and in the entrepreneurial world do you know it's okay to fail but you learn from that failure and you do it in a safe way and that's lean startup methodology isn't it that cycle of going around of test trial learn from what's gone wrong and what's gone well and then iterate for your next version before you come out but in healthcare, we've traditionally not been so good at accepting failure, and partly where is so where's the um, where's the penalty for following custom and practice? I'm not aware of one. But if you do something innovative and it doesn't go well, the consequences for you as an individual clinician or your organisation could be quite severe. So we've not been encouraging innovation in the right way, and I think actually accepting that sometimes we're not going to get it right all of the time 
that's okay as long as we do it in a safe and a controlled way where we can protect patients absolutely and we learn from it and we learn and we move on mm -hmm.